All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Postalka, and I am excited for our guest today because we are going to be talking with Jeff Custer from Level Up Courses about developing great leaders. Jeff, welcome, my friend. Damon, it's uh, super exciting to be on with you today. Uh, you said it. I am passionate about uh, having good leaders in place. Well, you know, the, the one thing that I always, when I look at your profile, I don't know if, if people, if you want to check, check out Jeff Custer on LinkedIn, ridding the world of toxic leaders. I love your back, your background image there. Yeah. yeah I love, love the image because I mean, yeah, it we, says um, it all. We, yeah, we came up with that tagline back probably six or eight months ago and, and you know, companies have visions, and I think that really is our vision. And it's probably something we never really will achieve, but that's really what we what we're all about is how, how do we how do we get rid of toxic leaders so that organizations are just better places to be. Yeah. Yep. Because boy, you know, it, now and what are people calling the great resignation? You know, the, these toxic worst places. It's it's people are jumping ship faster than ever, and it makes your business harder to run, makes your performance harder to keep maintain, and all kinds yeah. of things. Yeah, you know, if if you look at surveys, uh, and ask people why did they leave a job, what what they'll say, it's not because of what they got paid or a lot of other things. About two thirds of them will typically say they left because they had a toxic or a bad leader. Hmm. About two thirds. Two thirds. And, and if and, and if you think of that, um, it costs a lot of money for one thing. Oh, geez, yeah. You know, you know, I think people watching, people listening, probably know. You know, the cost to replace somebody is, I don't know, several thousand to maybe even at some levels, $100,000. It's expensive cash out of pocket to replace people. But I think that's only a small part of what it costs. There's all these other hidden costs. Mm -hmm. when, when you're short-staffed, somebody's got to pick up the slack. And mm -hmm. you know, there's just a whole kind of domino effect that happen in organizations when you have toxic leadership. And, and a lot of those costs... I think one of the things I see, Damon, in organizations is they maybe discount those things that they can't put their finger on the cost. It's not a line on their on their income statement, but there's a cost there, but it's hidden. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I someone told me a while back and I don't remember who it was. I was talking with them and they were they had talking with a client of theirs and they, the client was saying, well, man, we've had we've had trouble with people for five years now. It's just we just can't get over it. And they said, well, how long have you been at the company? And they said, five years. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, sometimes we got to look in the mirror. <laughs> oh, exactly. You know, one of the things I, I like talking to people about, you know, I think when you talk about toxic leaders, a lot of us mentally jump to maybe that leader that yells and screams or it really is off, kind of off the deep end of toxicity. I think toxicity, there's probably more of a, more of, Kind of a range to it and i would suspect yeah. all people probably display some of these behaviors sometimes but so you're right i think all of us need to look in the mirror yeah um, 
but but yeah, those those toxic behaviors drive people away, and it is so expensive and costly to organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, Jeff, tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, you've you've been leading some fairly large teams for a, for a bit now in in yeah. kind of challenging environments. And, yeah. and it's interesting. So tell us about your background and how you got interested in, in leadership. Yeah. When I first started, uh, I actually owned a small business and uh, had a few employees in that small business. So I've managed uh, and led people in that small entrepreneur business environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sold that business and I actually moved to a Fortune 500 company and spent a uh, couple decades at a Fortune 500 company uh, dealing with it was such a different dynamic than running your own small business and led teams anywhere from, you know, seven, eight people up to groups of up to like 600 um, mm-hmm. across multiple states in the United States. And um, one of the things or probably for about the last 15 years or so, I found myself as a leader of leaders. So the people that had reported to me were were supervisors, were managers. They were in turn leading frontline employees. And one of the things that that I learned probably fairly quickly was I always need to be on the lookout for who that next leader is because Mm -hmm. people come and go and I need to be preparing. So I have that next person ready to plug into my organization to be a leader for me. And that's really where my passion for developing leaders came from was I knew I was going to be better off if I would develop great leaders to work for me. And Mm -hmm. uh, I just really, I've got a background um, in human development and education. And so I've always enjoyed working on developing people and teaching. And, And this was just kind of like a perfect marriage for me of, I have this real need in the organization and, and I love doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it pretty easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what, I mean, what was the seed? Because there's a lot of difference between, you know, being in a fortune company, running teams of leading leaders and things like that to saying, okay, now I'm ready to start teaching leadership and showing yeah. you leaders how to, how to be good leaders. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, where it really started clicking with me, I still have a picture on my desk that um, I really like. And it was the, it was a team I led that I always kind of, per, they were like my personal dream team. We had, we had, I had a group of leaders working for me that uh, just had a great skill set. They were a great set of leaders. We were able to do things that people in our organization said couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. And it was the kind of group where it was just that high performing. The more you told us that we, you couldn't do it, yeah. the harder we worked to get it done. And I think that was that was really where I started seeing the importance of trying to make sure that I, when, when somebody left out of there, so maybe somebody retired or somebody got promoted or something, I wanted to keep that going because it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, you know, I, I think that was the start. And then what it evolved to Damon for me was really about legacy. And if you think about your leadership legacy, when, when, when you're done 
and people think of you, what do they think of? Mm -hmm. And what I want to be remembered as is that type of leader who left the organization in great hands because of the leaders that I developed and hired. And I always kind of joke around, you know, for like the two weeks that they remembered that you worked there, that's yeah. how I want to be remembered. And then they forget yeah. who you were. Yeah. But, I think but for those me, two that, weeks, it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, and I think that was kind of my progression was it was a necessity and then it was fun. And then it turned into legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you, you, you were working with your sons in level up as well, aren't you? Yeah. So just kind of a, a, the story I like telling about this, you know, I've had this idea of, of doing leadership development um, for a long time. And, and in, mentally for me, I always ended up on an airplane flying somewhere, doing a bunch of seminars, which I think is fine. But I was like, well, I'm not really sure that's what I really want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of put that idea back on the shelf. And usually between Christmas and New Year's every year, I sit down for that. I take that week of vacation, sit down and kind of ponder how last year went, what I want to get done this next year. And I'd pull that idea off the shelf. It's like, I don't know how I'd make that work. And about a year and a half ago, pulled that idea off the shelf. I thought, what, what would happen if I took this and, and, and leveraged technology? that we really learned through the pandemic, mm -hmm. leverage technology to share my expertise, not only around the US, but around the world. And um, it's like, yeah, I think we can do that. And started tie of three sons and uh, started talking to them one by one. I said, here's this idea I have. What do you think? Would you like to join me in this effort? And, and uh, after the three conversations, they all said yes. And the... For me, the two things really stand out having done that. One is they bring skill sets that I don't have. I've got one son mm -hmm. that lives pretty close to you, I believe. And he's a marketing guy. I'm not a marketing guy. I'm an operations guy. And so when, when, when we start saying, what color do you want the logo to be? It's like, I don't care. Just get it done. Yeah. But he's got that skill set that I don't. I've got another son that's, he's an operations guy, but he's an IT operations guy. So if you want a website done, if you want to figure out how you pay with a credit card, I don't know how to do all that, but he mm -hmm. does. And then my youngest son is, uh, he really is just an excellent teacher, brings an excellent teaching perspective. So it's been pretty neat to take the skill sets that I didn't have and kind of handy that I've got them in the family to mm -hmm. really plug holes that, that I don't have. I mean, that was, that was kind of the initial thing, but now as we've been on this journey together, kind of this hidden benefit that I've really found when I start, when I talk about legacy, I was talking about your leadership legacy, maybe mostly in a business organizational context, but I also really think personal legacy is important to me. Yeah. And this has turned into a personal legacy that I never even thought of. Yeah. That every week, multiple times a week, I've got the opportunity to teach my sons leadership mm -hmm. very intentionally. And if we weren't doing this business together, I, we wouldn't have those kind of conversations. It's you not just like, wouldn't talk about it. You just wouldn't talk about stuff, it. Not stuff you talk about at Thanksgiving yeah. dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so and it's and it's time spent with them too. Yes. 
And so That's one cool. of the things that just makes me smile, I was actually talking to one of them this morning and made me just smile because, you know, you, you kind of develop the lingo that you start, you know, I'm sure you've got the same thing, you know, in your business, you kind of develop these, you know, your buzzwords that you use. And I always smile when I start hearing them use the words that I usually use. Yes. It's like, oh, I, I can tell I'm rubbing off on them and having the impact on them. And so while the, the business is important, um, it's almost become as important to me to have them uh, be, be somewhat of an audience for me. Yeah, that's awesome. When I'll just take a minute here. We got Thesia saying evening. Great to see you. And, and Steve, Steve Galley. Uh, Hi, Steve. Steve Galley's out of, he's a coach out of Utah. Uh, good guy. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome because there's not many times that you can do something like that. We're actually teaching your children really valuable life skills. Yeah. Because otherwise, it just doesn't come up, right? Or they think you're 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 preaching to them or something like that right. in a different setting. It just doesn't. Yeah. Seem, so that's really cool. Yeah, let me sit you down at the table, and I'm going to tell you about the Great Resignation. You know, there's like I don't want to hear that. Yeah. But when we have this common purpose, um, you know, and one of the other things that we started in February is we actually started a weekly podcast, and mm -hmm. two out of the three boys are on the podcast. And so the three of us every week are sitting down for 45 minutes going through these kind of discussions. And yeah. uh, it's fun to hear their take on things. They're a different generation, of course, than me. Mm -hmm. But they bring so much insight and wisdom. Uh, it's just exciting for me. Well, that's a great point. So, so as you've gone through this with your sons, how much do you think, what you need to do as a leader today has changed from say 15, 20 years ago. I think it just, to me, I'd go back to, to my word legacy. And I think it brings so much more purpose to that than I would have thought 15 years ago. Cause I think 15 years ago, like I said, I was looking for people to plug and play so we could, you know, make all our scorecard metrics green and we can yeah. impress people at the office. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but that was kind of the mm -hmm. why. Yeah. And I think what has happened with me over the years is, is really that why has changed to, I want to leave a legacy and it's not so much about, I, I'm, you know, making gold stars for myself. Mm -hmm. It's really about, leaving that lasting mark. I had the chance last two weeks ago to sit down with a young lady who was looking, who's an aspiring leader and uh, had about a two hour conversation with her and uh, got a, got a text from her. She got offered a supervisor position. So she got offered a leadership position and um, it was so much fun to sit there and, and, and just help her kind of understand as a supervisor, if you're going to take this leadership role, here's the things you're going to have to overcome. Here's the things you're going to look out for. And uh, if she's not even going to work for me, she's not going to work in my yeah. organization. But it's very satisfying to me to know that she's going to get where she wants to go. And I was able to help her do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really something. That's something. And and leaving that legacy is so important because you know as we as we want to be able to leave things better than when we came in, it's just, yeah, it's just just part of it. So, do you think from 
the leadership that we need today in business, do you think that's a lot different than it was 20 years ago? Or do you think that it's basically the same? It's just we're talking about things a little bit differently. Well, how about some of each? Okay. How's that? My kids, yeah. my boys always accuse me of choosing both. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, you know, so I would say this. I mean, I think if you go back and maybe a little bit longer than 20 years ago, I think the, the style and organizations was probably tended to be a lot more autocratic. You know, mm -hmm. the, you know, the boss told you what to do and you, you just follow orders. And I think we've I, I think that's evolved where that style in most settings probably isn't the most effective. And so I think that's something that's really changed that that leaders that have have that strong autocratic style probably are going to struggle more today than they did a couple of decades ago. You know, there's still places for that autocratic style. And I think even in organizations where day to day, there's not room for that autocratic style. There may be times in that organization when autocratic style makes sense. Mm -hmm. When you get into a crisis, you probably yeah. need a leader that can adapt to yeah. that autocratic. Hey, we just this, we need to get this done. We don't have time for a committee meeting. We just need to respond to a crisis. So, you know, there's still that need for autocratic style, but probably not as prevalent as it once was. And um, mm -hmm. so, so I think that's, I think that's one big change that you probably see, you know, another thing that you probably see that, that I think has changed um, just the demographics of the workforce. I was talking with some, some people this morning about this, you know, the 10, 10 years ago, you had all these organizations saying, Oh, we got to prepare for this big exodus of the baby boomers. And my observation was organizations kept talking about that and kept talking about it like it was something in the future while yeah. it was happening. Yes, while it was happening, exactly. And they didn't respond to it. They kept talking like it was going to happen tomorrow. And, and then we run into this two-year pandemic that just accelerated all that. So you had already baby boomers going out the door, not being replaced by younger generations. Yeah. And then yeah. you accelerate that with a pandemic. Now, all of a sudden, you have a worker shortage. Mm -hmm. And now, now you're in a different market than where you were five, six, seven years ago, where employees employers can be fairly picky. You know, hey, Damon, you got to have a four-year degree, and you got to have this, and you got to have that. That's no longer the case today. You know, you have... You know, you have employees that really are a lot more of the driver's seat because... Mm -hmm. There's just a shortage. You know, one of one of the neatest things I was involved in this a couple of years ago. There's a county here. I live in Minnesota. There was a county in in uh, in Minnesota that hired social workers, kind of entry level social workers, and they had forever a four year degree requirement for that position. It was an entry level position, and they were struggling to fill those jobs. And so they took a hard look at their requirements and said, do we think we could do a two-year degree requirement, partner with a local community college and, and work on an internship for those people? And instead, we can get two-year degree people instead of four. And, and while I was working with that group, they hired about 200 people in that wow. scenario. And so wow. all of a sudden you have, you know, you think about the cost of going to college and 
and you say, all right, I want this professional track. That was so neat how they how how that got put together is we can get people on a professional track for almost really low to minimal cost, get them into a professional thing, and then the county would pay their tuition to get their four year degree. Yeah, yeah, so that's. I think I think that was a great lesson that organ more organizations should really take a look at is what do you really need from somebody to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And if you want to attract workers, I think you, I think that's a serious consideration for organizations. You know, does that entry level job truly need a four year degree and five years of experience? Or you know, you do see those things. Yeah, you know, and that's that's a great point because there are so many jobs that well, used to. Hopefully, people are doing what you're saying is really rethinking this. That said, college degree required. College degree required. Now, if I'm a big company. And I have the old ATS scanner yep. that says if Damon doesn't have a college degree, he gets kicked out. Damon might yeah. be the most well qualified for that. And your your position may not need that. Yes. But but uh, I'm getting kicked out because I don't have that college degree. And, and in, a, in a job situation like today, Damon might have been, you know, one of a, a handful of candidates. Yes. And probably better, better candidate today than any other time in in some cases. And that's really cool. Yeah. So it kind of gets us a little off track on the leadership topic, but I still think for, you know, organizations looking to try to attract employees, that's a thing. I think they really have to look at that, you know, is are you making the barriers to entry so high that you're excluding great candidates? Yes. Yes. And then too, we, (laughs) talk about diversity and, and inclusion and, and, I mean, I hope that the, the the employee shortage helps us to accelerate that as well, too, because we got to yeah. figure out. I mean, there's there's industries where if we don't get if if we don't hire every person that wants to come to them, like construction is one yes. of them. Right. If we don't hire every person that wants to be in construction in construction because they want to be and they're going to work hard and be there, irregardless of what the heck they look like, how they yep. speak, whatever the heck it is we're going to have enough people. That's right. Yeah. And we're going to have better companies because of it. You know, like I said, I was talking with a couple of guys this morning about that. And, you know, I mean, certainly there are some tasks you could automate, Mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, if you need somebody out there swinging a hammer, building a house, there's only so much of it you can automate. You still have to have people to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to be, I think, pretty competitive, for a long time for workers like one of the I, i'm on the uh I, I i participate in a workforce board in southeast minnesota we we work at help doing job training and things like that we were talking with a state demographer a couple of years ago and in our region where you look at population like the job growth expected there was going to be about forty thousand new jobs created over over 20 years and the net population growth was predicted to be 10. Oh my. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to be a great mathematician to figure out that's not going to work. So mm-hmm. it's imperative, you know, that that regions when they look at their economies that they retain people. We got to get people to stay here and we got to figure out how to get somebody else to come here. Mhm. Otherwise those jobs are not going to they they'll never get filled. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, I think it's interesting and we talk about diversity and inclusion and, and other things. I was talking to a, a gentleman that was an owner of a, a large uh, construction company in the Southeast this morning and yeah. they're building a new corporate office. Well, their new corporate office is going to have a gym. It's going to have a daycare and it's going to have yeah. a cafeteria. Yeah. So it's not just tech companies anymore that are doing these right. kind of things. I mean, and this is a, he said it's available for all employees. And the other thing is he, he said they just got back from a vacation where they took the entire company on a, on a three day vacation, paid vacation yeah. for all the employees. I mean, and, that sounds like, yeah. I mean, that sounds like a great culture. So one of the things I've, I've written about that some here over the last few months is and, and argued with a few people about this is, I, I, if it, here's the, an organization has toxic leadership, they can put in all the taco bars and gyms they want. It's not going to work. Yeah. And so it's, it was fun to hear you talk about an organization that sounds like they've got some really good leadership in place with a great culture. If you've got a bad culture with bad leadership, letting people ride their bike down the hallway isn't going to do it for you. Yep. And I'll tell you a great example. My daughter, her first grad school out of college, she thought it was great because this company, they went kayaking and they did all this stuff and they had, you know, beer on Friday yeah. and, and, you know, just all that stuff. And you go, she was in there about six months and it was a horrible place to work. Yeah. And yeah. it was funny because she moved into an engineering firm after that and they were a little more as engineers. They're, we're here to get things done. We're going to have fun when we have fun. And yeah. they treated the employees really well. She was there for three years. Exactly. She loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it's, it's, you're right. All the, all the free tacos in the world don't, don't uh, make up for that toxic leadership. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think I've summed it up. When I wrote before, you know, HR gimmicks aren't going to overcome bad leadership. There you go. HR gimmicks are not going to overcome bad leadership. Well, this is cool. I mean, I know we need, we talked about hiring people a bit, but what I want to get into now and, and Finn, Finn here has a question. He said, a great discussion about the autocratic style. Do you think the pendulum will swing back or do you think this is permanent? That's, well, that's a good question. I it mean, is my, a good question. My, I like that's My good. initial reaction is I have a hard time seeing it swing back. Yes. Um, you know, and so I'd even, this gets maybe a little abstract, but if you look at global population growth and you look at a lot of Western economies and what the global population is doing, this worker shortage isn't unique to United States. Yeah. Um, you know, Japan's ahead of us on this. Europe's kind of maybe a little bit ahead of us. Um, if, if, if world population growth continues slowing and, and you want economies to keep growing without some kind of way to fill that gap, I don't know. So it's kind of a little abstract way to answer the question maybe, but I think it's going to be hard for autocrats to come back when you have employees in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I think that's true. And I think also, honestly, I think good leaders run higher performing companies. Yeah. And, and that is because you can't beat the, 
you, you can't beat the power of a lot of minds working together compared to a few minds trying to to control. Exactly. You know, just the, you know, I think I you know, would talk about that. It's kind of, to me, it's like the, you know, one plus one plus one equals four. Yes. I mean, I think that's how I look at that is that, you know, that autocratic leader is trying to make all the decisions. And like I said, there are times and places for it, but day to day in most organizations, you'd be better off to try to tap into the creativeness and the ideas of all the people in your organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, and it helps. I mean, heck, even in the companies that I used to run, we would do design reviews on products and yeah. I would have the accounting, have someone from accounting come out and look at it. And yeah. people in the beginning thought, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And it's always, they would come up with good ideas. They would go, why, why, why do we do that? Why, why are you building that like that? Couldn't you just, you know, and you go, Yep, we could. <laughs> well, and you know, I think you know, when you tell me that, I think one of the one of the risks we run into when we're in that situation is we kind of fall in love with our own thing, ideas and our things. Yes. Yes. And it's good to have somebody that's not in love with them to come in and mm -hmm. say, Well, did you think about doing this different? Because I think we, you know, we're pretty good at talking ourselves into things. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. That's a great point. So you you really like developing aspiring leaders. I want to take a few minutes here, here as, as we're talking about this. Um, first of all, let's talk about some of the briefly talk about some of the toxic uh, characteristics you see in, in bad leadership situations. Yeah. I, I, I really boil it down. You kind of dig, I love digging into root causes. Mm -hmm. you know, what is the root cause? And I think to me, there's three things really that are root causes to, to almost every toxic behavior, pride, selfishness, and fear. I think pretty much every toxic behavior you could dig back in that one of those would be the root cause. Um, That's cool. People want it, right. People want it to be about them, the pride um, I want to be right. You know, that kind of ties into that autocratic style is I want to be right. So I'm just going to tell you what to do because I know I'm right. You know, selfish, I'm going to do what's in my best interest all the time instead of me what's in the group's best interest. Or even, even I think the greatest leaders would say, I'm going to do what's not in my best interest, but is in yours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. I think those are the best leaders. And I think the third one I'd say is fear. I think you run into... You know, I, think, uh, I, I think a lot of toxic behaviors come out of fear. Leaders, toxic leaders are scared that people are going to know more than them. And that's a threat. They, they may perceive that as a threat. Um, they don't want superstars working on their team because they perceive that as a threat. You know, I talked about my dream team a little earlier. A lot of toxic leaders would be really scared of having a dream team because they were all better than me. Yep. And and, and if you're a, if you have those bad toxic behaviors, you don't want a team like that because you're feel like your job's at risk. Why does the organization need me if they got all these other people? Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, it's a bad choice. But yes. that, those are the things I think, Damon, that when I look at toxicity, it's those three things. Yes. Yes. And I think this is a great segue because. 
the transition that somebody has to make and i want to i want to hit a few comments up first because yeah steve said steve said it's great when you're talking about legacy and and uh and that and that's that's cool thanks steve for the comment there yeah and thesia talked about diverse point of view is important which i really yep. think and and then um steve talks about this because he came from an educational background he's seen it in education so that's good yeah yeah, the, but, you know, those three things, you know, Damon, it's not unique to business. You know, that's one of the things I, I've I've tried to discipline myself in when I write and talk is I like to talk about organizations rather than businesses, mm-hmm. because these concepts aren't limited to business. They're true of organizations, regardless of what kind of organization they are. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And yeah, because it just it doesn't really matter. That could be a nonprofit, could be a church, could be a school, yes. could be whatever. It, it's all it all happens in organizations when people are together. Yes. Yeah. So the the thing that you talked about in the end, at the end there, I think it really hits to the aspiring or the new leader because yeah. those new leaders are typically people that were pretty good at what they were doing before now they're now they're going to be moving into this leadership role and you said you said something about in the end about fear and not and everybody else being better than them or them not being the best and i remember what but i've got to imagine that that's one of the things that you have to help these aspiring leaders understand that they don't have to be the smartest person in the room anymore yeah i think that yeah that's that's definitely an, an interesting thing that that i learned Early in my career, I was also in the construction world, but I didn't come from, I, I, I've got a finance background. And so, so one, one fun story I like to tell, the first day I was a construction manager, so I'm managing all these construction crews. The first day I show up, the first employee, the first thing anybody says to me in my new job, just what we need, a pencil pusher. <laughs> and it was like, oh, wow, thanks for that warm welcome. Yeah. And um because they knew I didn't know. And so one of the things I, I didn't try to pretend to know things I didn't know. I asked a lot of questions and, and I, and one of the, I think most gratifying things for me, I was in that role for about two and a half years. When I left, I had a different employee set say to me, you're the best boss we ever had. Nice. And it wasn't because I was a great construction worker. But yeah. they didn't need a great construction worker leading. They needed somebody that could lead them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things, you know, new new and aspiring leaders need to, need to you know, they, like you said, they might feel like they got to know everything. You can't know everything. You'll never know everything. Don't try to know everything. Ask good questions and listen. And I think you're going to be, do very well without, knowing all the technical details of everything that you do. Yeah. I think the other things that I think about with, with new leaders that they really can struggle with, you said this, they, they were stars, you know, when they were individual contributors, they were the star and the things that made them a star when they move into leadership, won't work for them anymore. The skills that they need, how they use their time, Mm -hmm. um, the kind of things that are important to them are all different. So if they try to rely on those things that worked for them before, they're going to fail. Yeah. And 
one of the one of the ones every time I work with a new leader, we end up having this conversation is new leaders will always give you feedback that they feel like they're not working. Yeah. And, and I, I say it like this. I mentioned that young lady I talked to, and, and this is how I explained it to her. I said, you know, when you're an individual contributor, you come into work, you have this pile of stuff on the left side of your desk, you work all day. And then at the end of the day, it's all on the right side and it's done. You go home. And you've got this sense of accomplishment, of completion, of, of doing something. And I said, when you're in a leader role, there's not going to be a pile on your desk. And if there is, you're going to have to think up what it is. And a lot of yeah. days you're going to feel like you're not doing anything. And you're going to struggle because you're going to feel like I'm not working. But work is different. The work you're doing now is you're mentoring other people. You're deciding what the work should be. You're, you're listening. You're giving feedback. But, it, but for a new leader, it doesn't feel like work. Mm -hmm. and, and if they don't grasp those concepts, I think they're just really going to struggle. And one yeah. example I have of this, I had a supervisor working for me a long time ago. He led a small team and, and we had a, one, of, one of the ladies on his team went out on maternity leave. And I, I kept telling him, I said, oh, you're going to have to reshuffle the work amongst your team till she's back from maternity leave. He, he didn't do that. His solution was he came in on Saturday and Sunday and did the work himself. And I kept telling him, that's not your role. You have to work at the right level. And that's not mm -hmm. the leader level. You need to figure this out a different way. And he couldn't do it. And he actually ended up going back to be an individual contributor. A great employee, a great guy. But he could mm -hmm. not make, I always I like to talk about this. He couldn't make that leap into leadership. He just could yeah. not do it. Well, and you know, now that's, let's, let's bring that up briefly. Because there's some people that just, it, hey, it's not their bag. It's not their thing. It's not their thing. And you should be happy no. about that because there's there's people that choose that technical track to get really good at what you're doing. Yeah. And boom, it's a wonderful career. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of times people are really good technically and they get promoted into the leadership, even if that's not where they really should yeah. go or think, but they think that's what I have to do. I'm, I'm the yep. greatest machinist in the building now or in the company. And so I must be the leader now. And and that's, if you really want to be the best machinist, not only in the building, but in the world, maybe that's where you just need to be working on being a better machinist. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's, it's, um, you know, when I have career aspirations discussions with people, you know, that sometimes people say, I'm just happy being that machinist. Yep. And, you know, so then, you know, my my advice to them is great. We need great machinists here at our organization. My challenge to you is be the very best one you can be. Because yeah. you're for that leader role. Yeah, those those technical roles are, are really I think I, I Yeah, lost it for, for a second. Lost you for a second there, but you're you were going through that in that you said uh, be the best machinist you can be and give us what you said after that because I know it was good. Yeah, be the you know be the best machinist that you can be because you know not everybody wants to or is cut out for leadership. It's just yeah. it, it it it's just you know I, another great question I like asking everybody. I like asking myself this question probably more than anything else. What do you really want? 
And I, I ask myself that question all the time. I think that's a good question for people to ask is, do they really want that leadership role? And if they do, they should call me and I'll, I'll, I'd love to help them transition to that. Uh, but yeah. it's not going to be for everybody. And um, But there are some things we can do to help them that do choose to go that path to be really successful. Yeah. Well, I think when you look at the other side of this now, right, too, when people that want to be leaders, and I, I can remember back to when I, I went to school for engineering and I was an yeah. engineer and, you know, so I was real technical and I, I liked building things and, and doing, I could do that. But when I figured out that I was, I was an okay engineer, I was okay. a much better, and, and I will say this myself, and there's a lot of people I'll probably disagree, but I was a much better leader. Yeah. And, and. And it's because I realized that for me personally, those interactions with people and helping them grow and helping see them get better. And, and really when I found out that my job as a, as a leader was to ask the really smart people, what the questions or help them get what they needed to get there, to do the really great things. That was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. I mean, because once, like you said, you had your dream team. When you have a dream team, your job as a leader is, how the heck do I challenge these people? I'm not the smartest one in the room, but what what is the biggest, hairiest goal that we can tackle that I know they can, that they don't think they don't even realize we can, and we're going to go out and do it and then do it? Yeah. I mean, and give well, them the tools, and it's just so much fun. And one of the things I found in that particular position, it freed me up to really focus on the next crop of leaders because mm -hmm. the day-to-day -day stuff, I didn't have to worry about it because I had the dream team that was taking care of and knocking it out of the park on the day-to-day -day stuff. I mean, we were able to start some, some leadership development programs that normally it's hard to find time to do those things. Yeah. And we, we found time and, and built a pretty neat program to build into that. So we were ready for the next group to be on the dream team. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So when let's get back to the aspiring leaders, I've just got put into my, in, into yeah. my new leadership position. you you, we talked about them, not, having to be the smartest in the room, having to communicate, work through others. So what are a few things that they should be thinking about as we wind up here today? And you can give them yeah. a few things to be thinking about. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about kind of that definition of work. So they need to, they need to really cement in their head that list of new skills that they need to work on, you know, and it's, 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 feedback, you know, that two-way feedback, giving and receiving feedback. They need to be good at that. They need to practice being good at asking questions. Um, kind of just, Damon, basic stuff like, can you, can you ask good open-ended question versus closed-end questions? Just simple thing like that, that you can practice. Um, it sounds so simple and yet oh no i think it's something people need to practice yeah the best question i ever used whenever i i, I led people was what do you think yeah what do you, yes just what do you think because because when you're put in that leadership position everybody looks even the first time leaders they're ever going to look at you for to make a decision and if you turn it around and and you go well jeff what do you think Yes. And if it's a good idea and you just say, well, that's a great idea, Jeff, let's do that. Yeah. 
And then the other ones, the other ones I like, they're probably they're really questions, but it's like you know, tell me more or tell me about that, and and just a simple phrase like that. um, So 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 I think those are those are things that new leaders can practice. Um, You know, just you think about um, giving employees feedback. You know, one of the things that that I probably made mistake on as as a new leader is you don't really give a lot of positive feedback, but then you get into those situations where something happens and you yeah. don't have a choice and you have to give negative feedback and you as a leader aren't very comfortable with it. And it's not comfortable for the employee. My experience has been a lot of times those things go bad really fast on you. Mm-hmm. If you are in the habit of, I, I like this thumb rule, five positive feedbacks to every one negative. That's just my thumb rule I like to use. But, but that's another thing new leaders can practice is how do you practice giving good feedback so your employees are used to getting feedback from you. And then once in a while, when you have to give them some, some feedback for something you need to improve on or there's a problem, yeah. it's not like the first time you ever came talk to them about it. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, I think there's, yeah, again, I think, so a lot of this, I, I, I just didn't even think about this. I mean, you get the new title, you get promoted, now you got the new fancy you know, name on your door, you don't just automatically have all these skills. No. I think there are things that you just have to work and practice. And I think all of us, no matter how long you've been in leadership, you just have to continue practicing these things, um, but make a point of practicing to try to get better at them. And you're going to be pretty effective as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Jeff, it's been awesome talking to you about developing great leaders today. And I just, thanks for spending the time and getting yeah. to talk to, you know, being able to talk because I think you shared a lot of, a lot of awesome information and, and just appreciate you stopping by today. Yeah. Yeah. So. And what, you know, what we'll, what we'll do here from here on out is we'll, we'll, uh, tell people if they want to contact you is LinkedIn a good place or what's yeah. it? Where's a great place to get a hold of you? Yeah. I'm on LinkedIn uh, probably too much. Okay. And, um, so they can contact me at LinkedIn. If they All want right. to take a look at our website, um, it's level up courses, all one word dot C O not C O M dot C O dot co. And, yeah. um, they can get some background on our family. We've got some, if, if you like goats, take a look. That'll be the teaser to get people to go take a look. Um, nice. So um, they can find out more about kind of what we're all about there and kind of the things that we have to offer. Oh, it's so awesome. It's so awesome, Jeff, for you to be here. And I just wanted to say one more time, we have Jeff Custer here from Level Up Courses. We're talking about developing great leaders. And Jeff is on a mission to rid the world of toxic leaders. So thanks everyone. Thanks Steve, Thesia, Finn for stopping by today. Thanks to the other, all the other listeners. We'll be back again later this week with another great guest. Thanks everyone. Thanks Jeff. Thanks.